0: Ask many people, who is the one person that made the biggest impact on humanity? I think many would say it was Abraham. Abraham is the one person who really, really popularized monotheism and its implications to the world. Now remember, a lot of people don't think about this. However, there were many monotheists before Abraham. There was Adam, Eve, Seth, Hanoch, Noah, Shem, Aver, what did Abraham know and do that separated him from the previous 20 generations since Adam? And what is the implication for us? You can find out right now here on Life is Great. My name is Rabbi Yitzwine. I'm the Rabbi of Young Israel Asia of Las Vegas. Welcome to the Life is Great community. And make sure you share and spread this podcast because it is going to change your life and everyone who listens to it. So right now, let's figure this out here. There are different teachings on when and how Abraham discovered God, his creator. So there are some that say that he started when he was three years old, others when he was 48 years old, when others when he was 50 years old. And the first time the Torah actually records a God-Abraham discussion is when Abraham is 75 years old. So I think the first point that I want to drive home today is that the discovery of the reality and the relevance of God is not a one time event. It's something that happens over time and is a process throughout our lives and our, our accumulation of many, many experiences. It's not like a person one day has an epiphany and says, "Ta-da! now I know there's a God. Yay. Rather, there is a process and there's many different aspects and layers and levels to understanding uh, about God and understanding how the Almighty works in, in our lives. It's the understanding starts, it starts with our mind, a perception that lines up with our hearts and our emotions. And then we do actions that create a relationship. In, in the way Judaism would always view it, and again, this, this view is taught to us from Abraham, that it starts with the mind, the, it connects with our emotions, and then we do actions. And through the actions, that's how a relationship is real. And by the way, if you think about that, that's really how it works with pretty much every relationship you have in your life. You say, oh, what a cute little baby. Oh, the baby's mine. Oh, now I'm going to take care of the baby. And then you have a relationship with the baby. Okay, that, that's, that's really how it works. So now I'd like to share with you an interesting thing. How exactly did Abraham come to this idea of God and one God? So it writes in the Zohar an amazing thing. It says that in the morning when Abraham saw the sun rise in the east, he thought to himself, this is a great power. Must be a king who created me. Right. In other words, thinking that the sun was the king who created Abraham, because the sun is so powerful, So, especially growing up in Las Vegas. The sun is very powerful. That whole day he prayed to the sun. Then in the evening, upon seeing the sun had set and the moon rise, he said, well, surely this one rules even when the other power that I prayed to no longer shines. So all night Abraham prayed to the moon. In the morning, upon seeing the darkness passed, and pass, in the east, the east light up, he said, wow, wait a second. All these must have a king and a ruler who directs them. So when God saw Abraham's longing for him, then he appeared to Abraham and spoke with him. So that's the first piece of Zohar. It's part of our tradition. Remarkable thing. He was looking around the world. And he first, he, he, he was thinking his initial thought was whatever is the most powerful thing around. That means that I can That's what I should pray to because that is the most powerful. And in as much as each power would trump the next power over and over again, so then he realized there had to be some overwhelming power. But he also saw a tremendous unity in the connection. Now, the the way that the Talmud explains this, it would be like if you were walking in the desert and in the distance you saw a shack, and in the shack there was a window, and in the window there was a candle that was lit. What would you assume? You'd assume that somebody lit the candle. You wouldn't say to yourself, "Oh, obviously lightning struck down, hit the wick of the candle, now lit the candle." You wouldn't say that. Your experience would tell you, "No, there had to be someone who created it." That's really what Abraham started doing. Now, again, because how, how did it how did it go from that point to 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 one God? So it wasn't just go after the most powerful thing. Abraham started and he said things that. They're physical. There's a beginning and an end to it. And if they're physical in space, uh, then they're physical in time because things that don't exist, don't create themselves. He said that if I look at something that's physical, something had to come and create it. I'm holding a pair of glasses right now. It's physical. There's a beginning and an end to it. It doesn't, it did not create itself. So something had to come and create it. So if the cup created my glasses, so now I look at the cup. Well, the cup is also physical. That, therefore, that means that there's a point in time it did not exist. So something had to come and create that cup and so on and so on until you get to a point that you say something that is not physical, not finite, meaning it always existed and created everything else. That is the creator. And that's what Abraham called God. It's actually pretty simple. It's things that are physical. Are finite. They have a beginning and end. Since things that have beginning and end do not, things that don't exist do not create themselves. Something had to come and create it, and this is a, something that had to happen over and over again until the initial thing was not physical and not finite. And that thing is what Abraham called God. So sure enough, today we stop. And if you ask someone for a definition of God. We will say something that is not physical, not finite, and created everything. Now, the next step that Abraham went to was, obviously, this thing must have been, it's infinite, and that's an implication. There's an implication by being infinite. And I ask you this question, what can, an, what can a finite being do that an infinite being cannot do? Well, a finite being can die, infinite beings cannot die. A finite being can make a mistake because it doesn't know everything. An infinite being can never make a mistake. A finite being cannot be aware of things, but an infinite being must be aware of things. You get it? So therefore, if I'm sitting here, if I'm a, you and I as a finite beings, I look at a cup on my desk right now, we have three options in regards to this cup. We can live side by side with the cup. We're aware of the cup. We can smash the cup out of existence and we exist, the cup does not. Or we can walk away and forget about the cup and have the cup exist on its own and we exist on our own. An infinite being cannot do that. An infinite being can only do, only has two options. Either it can exist with the cup or it can smash the cup out of existence, it exists and the cup doesn't. However, an infinite being must always be aware of everything that's going on because it's infinite. So Abraham understood that. So once you get that idea now you realize you're walking everywhere you turn you're looking at the almighty. So therefore Abraham could see God in a tree, in a stone. He could when the wind would blow, Abraham would feel God, you know, in in the air. When he would drink the water, the cool water going down his throat, he would feel that would be a, a sensation of God. He would understand that he didn't know how to walk or scratch his nose without the Almighty somehow allowing things to go through his body in a way that he could process it. Even a thought, when a thought would come to his mind, it meant that God obviously was aware of that thought because God is infinite and every action, that he could never turn away from the Almighty. So that was in direct contrast to a a case of idolatry. Because idolatry, you're only dealing, dealing with finite beings. So, yes, you can do many things that idols were not aware of. So then after Abraham and Sarah began teaching the world about the Almighty and explaining the fallacy of worshiping idols. So the next thing is a fantastic story that I want to read to you from the, from the Talmud that talks about uh, Abraham and his family. So Abraham's father, Terach, manufactured idols. So one time he went on a trip and he left Abraham to sell in his place. So when someone came to buy, Abraham would ask, how old are you? And the customer would answer, he's, you know, 50 or 60 years old. And then Abraham would say, oh, woe to this man. He's 60 years old, but he wants to bow down and worship an idol that I made yesterday. And the man would go away embarrassed. A woman would come in carrying a bowl of flour. And she'd say to Abraham, take this and offer it before the idols. So he would take a stook one time. And he broke all the idols. He placed the stick in the hand of the biggest one. When his dad, came, Tarek, came home, he said, Who did this? You know, who broke all the idols? And then Abraham said, Why should I hide it from you? A woman came in, carrying a bowl of flour, and said to me, Offer this before the idols. So I offered it before the before them, and then one said, No, I want to eat first. And the other one said, No, I want to eat first. And the biggest one took the stick and smashed all the idols. So Tarek's Terech, dad looks at him and says, What are you talking about? Why are you trying to make an idiot of me? Idols don't have understanding. And then Abraham said, let your ears hear what your mouth is saying. So you might think that when a man, you know, explains to his father that, you know, dad, you're selling idols and these, you know, these things are nothing. You might think, well, the father would say, okay, you know what, let's go. But Terek was not that man. Tarek was a man who was very, very upset. So he grabbed his son and he dragged him before Nimrod. Nimrod was the king of the, that region. And Nimrod said to Abraham, Bow down to the fire. And then Abram said, If if I do that, so then should we bow down to water? Because water extinguishes fire. Bow down to the water. That's a so, and then and then Abraham said, Well, if we bow down to the, wa- the, 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 the water, so maybe we should bow down to the clouds that carry the water. And then Nimrod said, bow down to the clouds. And then Abram said, well, if so, we should bow down to the wind because the wind scatters the clouds. And then Nimrod said, bow down to the wind. And then Abram said, and should we bow down to man who contains the wind, right? You can hold your breath, right? And then Nimrod said, you are ta- talking empty words. I bow a- down only to fire. Now I'm going to throw you in the fire and let the God whom you bow down, who you bow to, come and save you. And then Abraham and then God, Nimrod instructed his guards to take Abraham and throw him in a burning furnace. Abraham was saved from that burning furnace. God protected him, and um, and then the world became. No, the world was filled. With the with the fame of Abraham. Because everyone said, wow, this is a guy that stood up to the king Nimrod, made a fool out of Nimrod. And then when Nimrod tried to kill him, so then his God saved him. So this is again, this this is this was a watershed moment in humanity. Because, because Abraham desired to have a relationship with God, God came to him. God Abraham exhibited enormous strength not only standing up to his own father, but standing up to the king. And then, because Abraham, he didn't know that he was going to be saved when he was being thrown in that fiery furnace, because the natural wor- world would have dictated that he would have been scorched and burned out, that because he was willing to give his life for to, the sanctification of God's name, to say, no, God is God. Um, in other words, because Abraham showed how deeply committed he was to the almighty so then god made him very very famous in a positive way then he gets kicked out <laughs> he walks out of the fire nimrod says get out of here right like i don't want you around so now abraham and sarah begin the process of teaching the world about the almighty so what would they do so they would invite people into their tent this is how they figured it out they said listen god is infinite What does God do? He's constantly giving us. He's giving and giving and giving and giving. The greatest pleasure in the world will be to connect with the source of, uh, with the only infinite source, with with God. That would be the greatest pleasure in the world. In other words, if I connect with my wife, that's a great pleasure. But there's only so much wife to go around. So (laughs) the pleasure is limited. You connect with your children, even if you have many children. Children, there's only so much to have around you can accomplish things you can make money you can you can you can share values you can help many many people but whatever pleasure you you experience you can only experience so much of it because it's all physical it's all finite uh, tom brady can only win so many super bowls right they, they they eventually there comes an end to it right but connecting with the infinite there is no end so abraham and sarah realized that the greatest pleasure in the world would be to connect with the infinite. So how do you connect with the infinite? You have to be like the infinite. So what does God do? God gives and gives and gives and gives. So they said, wait, the best way to connect with God is to give to others like God. So they started giving to others. So they would invite people over for dinner and they would serve them. And, and then what they would do is they would explain to the people. They'd say, okay, listen, you know, now at the end of dinner, now we're going we're gonna to bless God. And everyone would say, oh, okay. And they'd pull out their idols from their, their bag. And they'd go, no, 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 no. There's only one God who created the heavens and earth, creates everything. Now, if the people would, would uh, if they'd say, okay, no, I'm not going to pray to that God. So then Abraham would give him a bill for dinner. You know, okay, that'll be $1,000 for the steak. Okay, but if he if they <laughs> come around, and the, the Zohar explained that that he would expound to that to people until they repented, and that even the guilty would always be led to righteousness. And that people people loved Abraham because he he taught them this tremendous, this gift he gave them this gift of being able to, to connect with the infinite, and not only being able to understand God, how God is intimately involved in all their lives, but also how to teach others to be involved and how to connect with them through by giving to others. So it's the ultimate catch 22. If you want to receive the greatest pleasure in the world, how do you do that? You give and give and give and give to others. And the more a person gives to others, the more alike they are to God. And then the the deeper connection they have with the almighty. And that ultimately is how Abraham became the most influential person in the world. What made him so special? It was this incredible commitment to truth and to the Almighty, not for a day, not for a year, but over a span of many, many years. After he realized that there was one true God, Abraham dedicated himself to teaching the world about God. And I believe that is why perhaps he is the most influential person, whoever has walked on the face of the earth. Thank you for listening and being part of the Life is Great community. To keep these podcasts and other awesome programs available for free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation at yiaishlv.org backslash contribute. Thanks for listening to the Life is Great podcast. Share this with your friends and they will love you for it. If you have questions or comments, please email me at Rabbi Yitzwine at gmail.com. That's R-A-B-B-I-Y-I-T-Z-W-Y-N-E at gmail. For more content, check out our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Thank you to Dana Rutherford for producing today's episode. And remember, if you decide to make it a great day, then your life will be great.